What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 31. Kim Howie and Nancy Wartine of the Wisdom Coalition on how changing your mindset can bring you more joy. When it's dinner time, I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees. When you're having dinner with me, broccoli. Dr. Yami Kazorla-Lancaster, board-certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. My guests today are two ladies who founded the Wisdom Coalition. The Wisdom Coalition's mission is to help people understand that joy is a choice each and every one of us can make, and I think you're really going to love this conversation. Kim Howie is an author, certified health coach, and designer of the Pure Energy Program, which focuses on building awareness around the physical and emotional effects of food, as well as the mind-body connection. Kim holds a bachelor's degree in psychology, is a graduate of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and is currently continuing her studies in the field of positive psychology. Nancy Wertine is an award-winning broadcast journalist currently working as an anchor and reporter on WFMZ TV 69 in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Nancy also teaches at the college level and is a freelance writer. Nancy holds a Master of Communication of Arts degree with distinction from the New York Institute of Technology. This was a great conversation. I think you're going to take away a lot from it and hopefully you're going to pull from it some nuggets that you can apply immediately. But before we move on to the show, I want to give a thank you to our sponsor, Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance company that helps individuals get special rates on their life insurance for those that are health conscious just like you. If you want to find out more about this, please visit healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor and use the special code veggie doctor. Okay, now on to our show. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio, and I am so pleased to have two lovely ladies on the show with me today, Kim Howie and Nancy Wartine, who have written a book called The Power of Pivot, 
how changing your mindset can bring you more joy in every aspect of your life. And I'm just so excited to have both of you on the show today. Thank you. We're really excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, we're, of course, very excited about the book and very passionate about the many things that the book stands for. I can tell. And I love what you guys are doing because as a female, a female entrepreneur, a mother, a wife, I know how important it is to talk about these subjects and to talk to one another so that we can all live healthy, joyful lives. But can you guys tell me, why did you write this book? Well, we began a group that we called the Wisdom Coalition about a year and a half, two years ago now. And the whole point of the Wisdom Coalition is to bring women together to support each other. And also this idea that we all can choose joy in our own lives. And it's actually our responsibility to make sure that we not only know what brings us joy, but that we know how to get it. And so the book was an extension of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we've been on this self-discovery journey for a while now and recognizing the important role that joy plays in all of that. And so we wanted to share that and take readers on that journey with us. Yeah, so the book is broken down into 24 chapters and um, it's, it's many different subjects. We begin each chapter with a, a comment, a quote from someone we've had either on our television show or on one of our Wisdom Coalition podcasts. And then um, I introduce the subject. I'm a journalist by trade, so I, I'm a I'm a people observer, so I chime in with sort of setting up the subject. And then um, Kim comes in next with some real tips and tools that are based in positive psychology. And so um, we really wanted the book to be a journey that we take the readers on. We are going on the journey with you, the reader. And the whole point is so that you can figure out where you are in your own mind. How do you feel about these certain subjects? What's your authentic self? And then how you can make the space, the pause, and the space that you need in your life to figure out what brings you joy and how to get it. Yeah, and then we end the chapter, each chapter, with self-reflection questions. Mm -hmm. So to get the reader really engaged and thinking about how it applies to them and how they can also apply the tips and tools in their lives. Yeah, and really the reason, you know, your question is why did we write the book? <laughs> Um, I write in the introduction that every single one of us has a ticking time clock on the top of our heads, right? But we just don't know when our own time is up. So what we're saying with the book is, why waste a day? Why waste a And if you're not waking up every figuring out how to do that, then stop hard, change directions, make a pivot, and do something differently so that you can have the life that you want. Yes, that's beautiful. And I love in the book how each of you is very authentic, very genuine. You tell stories from your own lives, which I think helps normalize what all of us go through. Because when we go around, especially with social media, pretending that everything is perfect and we're just trying to be like this certain image of, you know, perfection and having it all together, then none of us is, you know? So kind of putting it out there, sitting down and really talking about these stories, talking about body image, which is one of the first topics that kind of came out in the book. I mean, that is all very powerful stuff. But let's talk a second, which I think is very important to kind of set up the rest of our conversation about the wisdom symbol. So you describe the wisdom symbol serves to help us stay connected to our ultimate goal at the Wisdom Coalition, which is to live life with purpose, centered thoughts, actions, and feelings 
enabling us to uplift others we encounter on our journey through life. Oh, that's just so beautiful. So can you tell me how, how did this wisdom symbol come about and what does it represent to you? Well, and it's actually yeah, right behind us. Beautiful. Our kickoff, we actually did a great interactive painting that everyone who attended the kickoff painted a portion of that. So we love having that here in the office. But honestly, it really stems from the belief that we have that you have to know what your why is. And that's why it's in the shape of a why to mm -hmm. remind us to stay connected to your why. And with every decision that you make in life, understanding why you're doing what you're doing is so important. So that was really how it got started. And then in the center of the why, you see a sunflower. And that sunflower represents to us your core energy. And really your power to fuel that core energy the way you choose to. And we choose to fuel it with joy. And making sure the things in your external world can't really get in there to sort of change what's inside of you. For example, this morning we were we were on a television show earlier this morning and, and vintage me, I of course dropped my smoothie all over my dress, right? So, you know, as I was running out the door. So, you know, you can look at that two ways. You can say, everything happens to me. Why did this happen to me? I can't believe I wrecked my dress. Or you could say, you know what? I wasn't supposed to wear that dress. I was meant to wear a different dress. And so it's all kind of part of, if I'm okay inside, then I can take all that external. And of course, that's a silly little external challenge. There are many more, and I'm not trying to minimize many bigger challenges, but it's just a matter of being able to say, you know, I can take what the outside world's gonna give and not let it get in here. Not let people that are difficult get in here and, and make sure that I'm okay with myself. And that is absolutely a game changer. So I have been doing work around this myself because I struggle with one of my coping mechanisms is overeating. So even though I eat a very healthy diet, I eat too much of it sometimes whenever I'm feeling emotionally distressed. And knowing how to take those thoughts that are continuously going through our head all day long and just observe them. And know that that's all, we, that's all we need to do sometimes is just observe them. We don't have to take each single one of those thoughts as true or as a direction or as a command. And we can choose what thoughts to put in there too. Like we don't have to even, we can learn how to have different thoughts. So this is absolutely a game changer. How did you guys figure this out? Like who was the first one to start thinking about, you know, I can control my thoughts, which means I can actually control my feelings and emotions. Yeah. yeah, it was her. <laughs> well, I've been on the journey a little longer, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I'm a health coach. That's my day job. <laughs> I talk to clients all the time about the impact of our thoughts because I believe that mindset is the foundation for health. I truly believe that. And the way that we think about things is going to impact our actions. So if eating foods as being a diet and it's, you know, you're depriving yourself of the foods that you enjoy, you're not going to do it for very long and it's not going to be effective or sustainable. But if you look at it like, okay, I'm nourishing my body with healthy foods that help me to be strong and to live longer, you might, it gives it a different spin on it. So it's really important for us to, you know, know our why, understand that our thoughts are important 
And to your point of, yes, there, we have things that are floating through our heads all the time. First of all, knowing that that's normal, that everybody has that, and that's so important, but also knowing that you can dispute those negative thoughts. You don't have to accept them as truth, and you can investigate them, and you can provide yourself with rationale and reasoning as to why they're not true. And isn't it amazing when you stop and listen what you hear? You know, For me, I think that you know when I met Kim, I really was taken with the kind of person that she was and the outlook that she had. To me, it felt very rare and very refreshing. And to be honest, I just wanted more of it. I wanted to understand her. Uh, you know, we, we haven't known each other very long, about four years, three, four years. Um, but, um, you know, as we continue to develop just as friends, you know, and, and I learned more about what she was doing. And, and so it, it, it impressed me so much. And if you read the book, as, as I know you did, um, you'll see that I'm, I'm, not as far along on my, my self-discovery journey, but um, it's been so eye-opening for me to live the lessons that we talk about right along with readers and everybody else because of the power that it really does have. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's talk a little bit more about body image because that's something that I'm very passionate about. And I think it's important for young women, you know, little girls, teenagers, but also older women. And there are some subjects that you, you guys touch on in the books is when our bodies change and maybe looking back and having more gratitude about where we are at the stage we are. So can you talk a little bit more about body image and how we can learn how to have more joy and acceptance of our bodies now as they are. Go ahead. No. <laughs> I mean, that's a tough one. Yeah. Tough one. yeah. Well, and I do think gratitude plays a huge role in that, as it does in everything in life. But, you know, it's all relative. Like you said, when you're looking back, you can say, I can't believe I didn't appreciate that when I had it. And 10 years from now, we'll be looking back and saying, I can't believe I didn't appreciate that when I had it. So, you know, just living in the moment and appreciating what you do have and what your body can do for you. And we get one body, right? Our whole body and we have to take care of it we and we have to honor it and we have to love it and it's really rooted in self-love yeah and I think that we also this idea of perfection mm -hmm. is something that young women older women as you said um, women in general right we want to be everything to everyone we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and so what we're trying to say is you know stop that and, and you know you're doing a great job we do so many great things I mean when we step back and look at our lives and we take care of our kids and we work and we make a beautiful household and, and wonderful traditions for our kids and, and families and I think that we just have to as Kim said learn to love ourselves and let go of this idea that we're perfect you know who among us is going to put a swimsuit on you know and say i look perfect you know everybody's going to pick at something i don't like this this is too small that's too big whatever and you know we just have to say you know i'm doing the best i can and and that said we want we of course believe we should, we should try to do the best we can but we have to have to know that there's a, a stop there. You know, you can't, you can't, you have to be able to self-police yourself and say, you know, eventually you have to get to a point where I say, I'm doing the best I can. That's enough. Mm -hmm. Let that idea of perfection go. Right. And it's going to ebb and flow different stages of our life. We may have more time to contribute to fitness and, you know, getting to that top level of fitness we want to be at. And other times we're going to be contributing that to breastfeeding and mothering. And, you know, you just can't do everything all at once. And I think the other thing that I try to emphasize is to pay attention to the function of our bodies and how we feel inside the well-being, not just our outer appearance, because 
our bodies are so amazing and can do so much and can accomplish so much for us. We can walk and we can talk and we can hold and we can touch um, and we can feel great despite being all different shapes and sizes. And so I think that that's very important for young people to hear as well as they go on their journey of, of self-love and self-discovery. But that brings me to the question because you guys did bring up self-love a few times in the book. And I want to know what, what is your definition of self-love and do we have to have it all the time? Well, I think it's a, you know, it would be great if we could have it all the time. I don't know if that is possible, quite honestly. I think that just like happiness and, you know, being that sometimes you're going to have it, but sometimes you don't have it. It helps you appreciate more the times that you do have it. So I think that it's a goal, a goal to live a life where you are yeah, you know, feeling that self-love all the time. But I also think that it's a journey. It takes time and attention. And so I know we've done several times a, um, a really great exercise that comes from Louise Hay, where you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I love you, and you use your name. And it's, you know, it's a really, really telling mm -hmm exercise and you know it sounds simple but it's actually very hard to do but once you get to that point where you can say it where you can look into your own eyes and say I love you it's so powerful and really it's that first step in self-acceptance it's letting go of that need for perfection and it's in recognizing that focus on your strengths let, let go of looking at, you know, we look in the mirror and the first thing we do is start picking out our flaws instead of looking at the things that we actually do enjoy about ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think that for me, self-love is like about kindness because sometimes in my past, you know, when I listen to what I'm saying to myself, I'm not kind. And I say like, well, the things I'm saying to myself, I wouldn't say to someone else. And, you know, when Kim is, what she's referring to is we had a, a we do a events in the community and we brought women together and we did this mirroring exercise and we were practicing for it. And Kim said, okay, well, you know, we're going to stand here and then we're going to hold the mirror up and this is what you, I couldn't do it. And it, 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 it smacked me in the head. It really did. And, and then I said, okay, I'll do it the day of. I couldn't do it that day either. <laughs> And I stood there pretending I was doing it. And she called me on it later and said, you didn't do that, did you? And so I was like, wow, you know, I, I really need to understand why I can't do that. And that's been really, really meaningful and powerful for me. So just, I think, thinking through some of those things and seeing if you can do it. Can you look in the mirror and say something like that to yourself? Tells you a lot about yourself. Mm -hmm. That I am so glad you brought that up because that is a very, very powerful exercise. And I agree the first few times I did it, it was very uncomfortable. Now, one thing that I do, because Louise Hay was just so wise and, you know, she, she's passed on now. It was very recently, but you know, whenever I see interviews of her, you can just tell that she really got to a great level in this life. Um, and she would say it to herself every time she saw herself in the mirror, you know, wouldn't it just be like a regular, it would just be like all throughout the day. So one thing I started doing is anytime I pass myself in the mirror, I wink at myself. So, cause I'm a pediatrician, so I'm always winking at kids oh. all the time. So I figured, you know, that'd be just my own little self love, self appreciation thing is I'm going to wink at myself every time I see myself in the mirror. And it just, I don't know, for some reason, it just makes me feel really good. Um, but I agree. I think that for the listeners out there, if you haven't tried the mirror exercise, look at yourself in the mirror, look into your eyes and say, I love you and mean it. Well, and you, it you might be harder than you think. Yeah. What's so interesting. So you're a pediatrician, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, kids, 
-hmm. And I have children, Kim has children, and both of my kids, you know, when they were four or five years old, they'd sit there in the mirror and be like, you're so beautiful. And they would look at themselves and they would, and then there's this shift. They get Mm -hmm. older and what happens? You know, society creeps and what happens? And then there's suddenly... My, my little daughter, she'll still go by, give herself a little, <laughs> a little, you know, affirmation, but um, she's 13, but, but she's not quite, you know, I've always wondered about that. You know, as children, we do, we, we're joyous and we love ourselves and we don't mind saying it. Mm-hmm. We, my kids always would say that right out loud. I'm so awesome at this, you know? And so you wonder why that changes and that's a shame. Well, and I, I wonder if part of it is because we feel that we're narcissistic if we do. And I think that that's something that's happening among women too. There's more women entrepreneurs. There's more women that are deciding to take charge of their life and their careers and do things their own way. And sometimes people may criticize and judge that and say, well, she's, she's doing too much. She's standing out too much. She's being too much. And then we want to shrink down for other people. So I wonder if part of that is that we shrink down because we're afraid of being too big and too much for others. Yeah. Well, and there's got to be a balance and a fine line. Because, of course, we're not talking about going around and saying, you know, I'm the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. But to be able to just be good with yourself, to understand that, you know, uh, you don't need to beat yourself up all the time. Because Kim's so right. You go to lunch with, with women and you say, oh, I love your hair. It looks so good today. And what does she say back? Oh, it doesn't look good. I can never get it to go. I wish I had your hair, right? You know, we, we just have to get to a point where we can say, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. Well, and owning our strengths, yeah. you know, and that's one of the things I love so much about studying positive psychology is that there's such a focus on your strengths and knowing what they are. And yes, you have to acknowledge your weaknesses, but own your strengths yeah. mm-hmm. and use them more often. You don't have to be out there boasting and bragging. I'm so good at this, but just in your heart, no, this is something that is a strength of mine. Yeah. That's wonderful. Nancy, one of the quotes I really loved from the book that you wrote is figuring out who you are and staying true to that is the solid path to inner peace and joy. And it sounds like you're still, well into your journey, like we all are. But tell me, what does that mean to you? And how do you go about figuring out who you are? Hey, you know what? I'm a work in progress. (laughs) I'm working on it. And uh, because I do think for a long time, you know, in my life, I was, you know, busy. I was putting one foot in front of the other. I was raising kids. I was working. I didn't put a a lot of time into it. And when we started this self-reflection, I was like, I'm not quite sure about how I feel about X, Y, Z, because I really just haven't given myself the time and the, um, the, 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 the means to, for that introspection. So for me, I think, and then going through this process of being able to think those things through, I've realized I really have to know who I am and what's in there to be able to find the ways that I want to put the good things in my life. You know, I think a lot of times we also, and I know I've done this in my life, you know, you, you go through your day and you, you kind of uh, rack up what's, what's gone on during the day. And at the end of the day, you say, well, there was traffic and my boss was a jerk and I, I got delayed. And so I've earned my right now to be in a bad mood tonight and, and be negative. And what I feel like is that I've been able to, to understand that those kinds of things, that way of thinking, 
is not beneficial to me. You know, mm -hmm. that I have to say, who am I? Who do I want to be? And how am I going to be that? And so I really feel like you have to do the work, even though I've kind of ran kicking and screaming to do the work. <laughs> but I think you have to do the work. Really. Yeah. And, and what does that mean to you? What is the work that you do? Is it something that you're deliberate about? Do you put it in your calendar? I mean, is it a regular scheduled thing or does it just come when it comes? Well, can I just say one more thing? One thing that, that we have done ourselves and that we've also done during some of our events is had the participants take what's called the, the VIA. It's the Values in Action Survey. Mm -hmm. And it was created by Martin Seligman, who is the founder of Positive Psychology. And it really helps you to identify, you know, what your values are and what's most important to you, and then recognize whether your actions are in alignment with them. So you know, okay, this is my ideal self. This is who I would like to be projecting out into the world. Are my actions actually saying that? And I think that's part of that self-discovery thing too. I think sometimes we get caught up in the day-to-day -day rat race of, you know, letting the outside circumstances dictate our behavior and dictate our attitude. But when we actually recognize what's most important to us, then we can change those behaviors. Yeah. And I think doing the work means uh, what we're doing in the book, going on a journey of self-discovery and understanding how you feel about certain things, how you want to position yourself. I mean, in business, we do this, right? We have a a goals and an action plan and a big picture, but, and we maybe do that with our finances at home, but do we really do that with our own selves? Do we really say, okay, this is my ideal self. This is where I want to be. And this is how I'm going to get there. We, don't do mm -hmm. that. we just kind of flounder along and let life sometimes some, you know, dictate who we are and how we feel. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about self care and, um, Kim, I know that you're a health coach, and so you may work a little bit more clients and helping them integrate this, but how important is self-care and how would you help somebody implement a self-care routine? Wow. Okay. You're asking me, I'm going to tell you self-care is of the utmost importance. I think that it is the foundation of health and wellness is you have to take care of yourself. And of course you hear that analogy all the time about the oxygen masks, right? When in the airplane and when they fall, you have to put yours on first or else you won't be of any use to anyone else. So you have to, have to take care of yourself. And, and I find that self-care really encompasses a wide range of things, including you know what you're eating and whether you're moving and and if you have a stress reduction um, you know schedule or, or um, routine, which I do. <laughs> but it's also about managing your mindset. It's you know that you have to pay attention to what your thoughts are, and that's you know really going to help you in that self care aspect. Mm -hmm. But but yes, I. I do find self-care to be extremely important. And I think it's something I talk to clients about all the time and make them put it down. You need a routine. You need to hold yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. and, and doesn't self-care mean, you know, mean being good to yourself, right? That's what we mean by self-care. So if you have, um, if you're listening to yourself and you're being kind to yourself, well, then of course, why shouldn't you give yourself healthy foods, enough sleep, good exercise, and a, and a routine that's gonna help you not feel so stressed. Mm -hmm. And we all have weaknesses there that we have to work on, but I think, you know, besides just feeling better, because if you feel better physically, you're gonna feel better emotionally. Mm -hmm. I think it just sends sort of a, a, a message to yourself, hey, I care enough about myself to put the brakes on whatever this bad behavior is, mm -hmm. and to try to make the best of this one body that I have. 
Well, and let me just also say, it's, it's also it works inverse, right? So when you're feeling good emotionally, you're more apt to do those things that make you feel better physically. Mm, true, yeah. Absolutely. It's all like a cycle that works together. This is a perfect time to take a little break and talk to you more about Health IQ. Like I said before, Health IQ is a life insurance agency that works with brokers to get health conscious individuals lower rates on their life insurance. They do this because they know what the studies show that vegans have a 63% lower risk of hypertension than non-vegetarians. Vegans have a 15% lower risk of all-cause mortality compared to meat eaters. And vegans have a 15% lower incidence of all types of cancer and 34% lower risk of female-specific cancers. So they've taken this data, they've taken research, and they have brought it to companies so that they can get lower rates on your life insurance. So if you're interested in learning if you qualify for these lower rates, please visit healthiq.com forward slash veggie doctor and use the code veggie doctor to see if you qualify for lower rates on your life insurance. All right, now back to the show. So what if you, you know, encounter a woman that's completely maxed out in everything, like her kids, her marriage, her career, and she has absolutely no time to fit it in. What is one thing that she can start doing to start turning that around for herself? Yeah, I think that once you start, it becomes almost addictive, you know, because you're going to notice right away how much better you feel. So I am a big proponent of sleep but I'm also a big proponent of self-care. So I will talk to clients and I'll say, okay, let's take maybe 15 minutes away from your sleep and dedicate that to either meditation or you know, gentle stretching or something in the morning that's gonna get you started first thing. And for me, I have a whole self I've got to write my gratitude journal, I've got to meditate, I've got to exercise, but I get up very early and I probably also go to bed early so that I provide myself with the time to do that. But I do think that you have to start small, you know, and, and then build from there because it's very overwhelming if you say to someone, okay, you need to exercise, you know, 30 minutes a day, five days a week. I mean, that's very hard when, like you said, you've got a lot going on. You're just going to say, forget it. I can't do that. So you have to start small. And, and what Kim's saying too, I mean, listen, we're all busy, but you brush your teeth every day, right? So what, you know, how long does that take? You're not going to cut that out. So there are things you can do that could take just as much time. For me, I have a little difficulty. I'm type A, I'm moving all the time. I have a little difficulty with my, my stress level, right? I get really fired up. And so, you know, Kim suggested something to me that works is I wake up and I just, I take three minutes to just calm and breathe. You know, I used to jump out of bed. I gotta get do that, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. She said, take, just take two minutes and breathe. And I can't tell you what a difference that little two minutes has made. So you don't have to do a ton, you know, and whatever your area is that you want to try to work on, and there's a lot of areas, you know, if it's, if it's food, well, then maybe there's one small change that you can make. And if you can stick with that, maybe then there's another one that you can add in. And you're right, we are busy. We are busy, but that's our whole point. You've got to stop and, and take a look inside because it's, it's it, the sand flipping through your fingers. Yeah. Well, and once you start to feel better, yeah. you're gonna sleep better, you're gonna want to continue to do it. It's gonna feed on itself and you're gonna recognize that maybe you even have more energy 
and you can get more done. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't take as long as you, as you think, but it's also about prioritizing. Right? Yeah. And to be patient with the process. But I love how both of you guys brought up, you know, Kim, you brought up the meditation and Nancy, you brought up the deep breathing because I'm a big believer in setting that intention for the day. It can just change your whole day. And I'm like you, Nancy, I'm very revved up high energy. So I, I am one of those people that jumps out of bed in the morning, but now I do it to go meditate. <laughs> so, and even if I can just get five minutes in the morning, um, I know that it's going to just align everything for me so that I can make better choices throughout the day. And I'm a big believer in, in that either meditation or silent prayer, deep breathing, yoga, whatever people align with themselves to set that intention for the day, I think could be a good place to start if you just have nowhere, you know, like don't know where to start. So that's great. Okay. Um, Kim, I was interested in learning more about your pure energy program. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, I would love to tell you more about that. Thank you. So it's a program. It's basically a medical elimination diet is what it is, but we're eliminating gluten, dairy, sugar, caffeine, and alcohol for 11 days mm -hmm. so that your body can then reset itself and your taste buds, which turn over every 10 days. So you, people will say to me, oh my gosh, how am I going to go without those things? And they also say, what's left to eat? <laughs> but of course, you know, what's left is whole foods, mm -hmm. right? We're eating things from the perimeter of the, the grocery store, right? So your fruits and vegetables, and of course, you know, um, meats, um, organic meats are great for you with the protein. But what happens is you do get the pure energy because you're going to sleep better because you're removing the caffeine. People will say, I won't have, won't have any energy without my caffeine. Well, your body rebounds. Even if you think you're sleeping well while you're drinking your coffee or your caffeinated beverage, you're, you might be getting quantity of sleep, but you're not getting quality of sleep because it has a 24-hour shelf life in your body. So that reset, I call it a jumpstart to clean eating, really is what it is. And then after the 11 days, we slowly reintroduce one at a time each item and monitor how your body responds to, to realize whether you have a sensitivity to any of those items. And, and for the sugar and the caffeine and the alcohol, it's really just to reduce your intake going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that can be a big uh, issue for some women that, especially the ones like we were just talking about that are overworked, overstressed, overcommitted and doing no self-care. They really depend on that caffeine throughout the day because they're not getting enough sleep or time for themselves. And so it can artificially make it seem like you're doing better than you are. And maybe that is, it makes it more difficult for you to take action to do those things that will make you feel better. And then alcohol too. I mean, I, I personally don't drink alcohol because I really don't like it at all. I guess I'm lucky. I just, it, it does nothing for me. It's, ugh, I don't like the way it tastes. Um, but I see, especially around here, I live in the Pacific Northwest. So this is very big wine country and people are very into their wines and it's one of those kind of jokes about, oh, stress at the end of the day, one or two glasses, three glasses. And it's something that adds up and I think could definitely be contributing to the way that women feel. Um, so is there anything else that you wanted to say about alcohol or any of the experiences you've had with your clients in letting go or reducing their alcohol intake? Yeah, well... I, like you, do not consume a lot of alcohol, very rarely, if ever. And it is interesting, because we've talked a lot about this, that the reaction that I get from people when I say I don't drink is, 
oh, are you an alcoholic? And you know, can you not drink? And I'm like, no, I just choose not to. It, it just seems like, it, you know, you're not in the norm if, if you aren't drinking. So I do find that that is a lot of times when people sign up, they'll say to me, how am I going to go 11 days without my wine? And I always say to them, you know, it's one weekend, really, because the 11 days, it only covers one weekend if you start on a Monday. And you can have some mocktails, <laughs> you can substitute in while you're out on an occasion and just have a seltzer with some lime and it looks like maybe you're having a drink, but you're not. And the interesting thing is, is I've gotten feedback from people that they recognize that there's so much that they've actually missed on occasions because the alcohol slowed them down, they didn't have memories of things, they, they were much more present in the moment without the alcohol and found that they were connecting more with people and really enjoying the experience. Now, like I said, they do typically reintroduce, but at a, at a lower rate. And I think it goes to um, one of the things we talk a lot about is listening, tuning in and listening to your body. So if you're feeling like you need to reach for a glass of wine at the end of the day because you're stressed, or coffee in the afternoon because you're crashing, well, maybe your body's telling you something. Maybe you need more sleep, or maybe you need some stress reduction. So maybe it's more about, instead of just trying to mask these feelings that we're having, listening to them, paying attention to them, understanding them and trying to solve them is really more of where you should be. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Yes. You hit the nail on the head because that's, it's so true. And that's for me too. So I, I don't drink caffeine. I don't do alcohol and drugs, but food, food is my, my alcohol, you know, food is what I um, go to whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed. And it's, it's a good way to distract yourself from your intuition, right? Using these things. It's a good way to just be like, listen, I don't have time for you right now. I really got to get this done. Leave me alone. You know, I'm just going to go for this, soothe myself. Um, but I think that once we let go of these crutches, we, we have to sit with this feeling that we have inside that's saying, this is too much. This isn't good for me. It's making me really uncomfortable or it's painful. What can I do instead of trying to soothe myself with this? How can I work through these thoughts and feelings and emotions to get to a place where I feel better aligned and I feel more joyful? Yes. Well, and we talk about that all the time, really that first step being the awareness, mm -hmm. you know, recognizing what those triggers are. Am I stuffing down my feelings? Am I feeling them? It's so important to feel your feelings. And, and also, I just wanted to say one more thing about the diet aspect of it, is that a lot of times we are feeling really crummy and we don't realize it's because we have a food sensitivity. Yeah. It's just something that maybe we're eating every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, taking that time to do the investigation, eliminate the foods and then add them back in, that's when you're going to recognize that, oh, that's what the problem is. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Um, we did, I think, two television shows now on women and their relationship with food. I mean, you talk about a complex issue. And we know that many women have difficulties with eating disorders, as you said before. But I do think that developing a healthy relationship with food is something also that has to be researched and defined because we don't talk about that enough to even know what a healthy relationship is, right? Again, we go out to lunch with our girlfriends and, you know, here comes the dessert menu and everybody says, oh, well, I can't because I'm on a diet or, oh, you know, you can eat that and I can't. And suddenly it becomes this strange, strange subject. And I think that really when what we need to talk about is, and I researched many websites and, and spoke with, with specialists to find out what is a healthy relationship with food because I didn't even know. 
But in going into the show, we wanted to know what is a healthy relationship. I'm sure Kim already knows. <laughs> but, you know, I just think that's a really great dialogue to be having too. How do you approach food? How do you think about it? Is it your friend? Is it your enemy? And, and, and why? And should it be just considered nourishment for your body? Well, you know, it does give us some pleasure, you know, and sometimes we do reward ourselves with food. Is that okay? Is that not okay? So that is a huge mountain that I love that we're able to begin that dialogue and get women thinking about that and just kind of reviewing the way that they approach their own eating habits. Yeah. Well, and recognizing that you're not alone. Yes. I mean, a lot of women are struggling and they think it's just them. So yeah. opening that dialogue is so important. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I, I'm very open about it because I know how many people struggle and how many people um, feel guilty or ashamed. Um, but I, I do think that it's one of those things, our relationship with food develops very, very young. And it's feedback we get from our parents, our family, our friends, the media. And, you know, over time, it can get even more complicated for some people. But I agree. I think defining what is a good relationship, what is a normal, healthy relationship with food is important. And I agree that primarily for me and what I would like my patients to see food as is fuel and, um, you know, um, nourishment for their bodies, appropriate, healthy stuff. But we cannot remove the social aspect. We cannot remove the traditions and the culture of food. And that's important and valuable as well. And to know that, yes, th there's a reason that food is pleasurable because if food were not pleasurable, we would all die. I mean, we wouldn't have eaten. Like, it'd be just like, if you have to like make yourself feel pain three or four times a day, that'd be it, you know? So I think that it's very important to realize that food can be pleasurable at the same time that it is healthy fuel for our bodies and to try to develop that balance where it's not this like painful experience about can I eat that can I not eat that and, and those kinds of things which is can be a, a big struggle in some people's lives well and another thing that uh, just touching upon that you know that we talk about is this whole idea of numbing mm -hmm. you know what what you know we talk about you have to feel your feelings to you know feel it to heal it is what we say and so if you're numbing right we can numb with anything shopping gambling um you know working too hard but also food and so you know i think that if you're trying to develop a healthy relationship with food and trying to define that and using it as a quote treat you know you just have to am i numbing or am i just kind of saying okay um you know well yeah and i think the question is am i hungry you know yeah, when you're absolutely. reaching Am I eating this because I'm hungry or am I trying to avoid feeling something? Because that's a big issue. And, you know, knowing what your triggers are too in advance. If you know, okay, every time I'm around my sister-in-law, <laughs> I overeat. Okay, so beforehand, I'm going to think it through as an alternative. This time I'm going to do X, Y, and Z instead. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. What is the importance of friendship? <laughs> well, we do have a chapter on friendship in the book. And, um, you know, you know, friendship is incredible for women and women friends. I mean, we love our husbands. We love them to death as women, but you know, there's something we get from our women friends that I think is so unique and valuable. And this whole idea of the wisdom coalition, women supporting other women is what we hope we get from our friends. We hope that our friends, when we have an accomplishment that they're going to stand there and applaud. Those are, those are what our true friends are. And we hope that our friends are, are going to say to us, um, you know, you can tell me anything and I'm here to listen. And so, I mean, I think friendship and female friendships are really, really um, sacred 
and really, really important in, in anyone's journey. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and what Nancy was touching upon too is knowing that you have the, the right people in your friendship circle, right? And, and you have a tribe around you that's going to celebrate you because that's so important. And a television show we just did recently about women supporting other women, there was the, uh, this concept brought up about frenemies and how many of us have them, you know, these friends who are actually enemies because they're not looking out for our best interest. And how do you weed those out in your life? You know, how do you find out who the people are who really are your true friends and are supportive of you? And we like to call those your balcony friends you know the people who are going to sit up there and clap and applaud for you when you do something well and then practicing discernment to lead out those other people who really aren't looking out for the best in you yeah and Kim calls those people your chocolate cake friends that they're good in little amounts but you just can't have too much or you get sick to your stomach <laughs> I like yeah. that I like yeah. that very much <laughs> a little bit you know let me let me limit the chocolate cake <laughs> So how can we begin to shift this movement and support one another as females instead of becoming each other's frenemies and tearing each other down? Well, I think the first thing you have to realize is that when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. I'm in a very competitive business. I've been working in television news for, uh, I don't know, 25 years. And, um, you know, I've been in some markets where it's more competitive, you know, than others. And, you know, but, but what we have to realize is just because we say, check out this great job that this other woman did, that doesn't mean that we're undermining ourselves or saying we didn't do a good job. And why shouldn't we applaud her good job? And, and you know, that's something I think that some women struggle with sometimes. And I think it's really important to hold other women up, you know, to say like, listen, look, look what this great job is that she did. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, you know, honestly, those kinds of feelings there, that's a trigger in and of itself. When you're recognizing that there's something that someone has done and you don't feel comfortable lifting them up or you're feeling some sort of angst about it, that's when you need to take a deeper look inside. What is that? Why am I feeling that way? Because that's more about you than it is about them. Exactly. So it's something you need to resolve. And yes. If, you know, what can you do? I mean, I think that you can make a conscious choice to applaud another woman mm -hmm. on Facebook, right? We, we, uh, we make friends on Facebook, on, on various social media platforms, you know, and I think we have to make an active decision to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to really support her because I like what she stands for. I think she's a genuine person. I think she does good work, whatever the reasoning is, but then really, really support that person with a full heart and good intentions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it goes all the way back to that wisdom symbol, because if we know our own why, if we are comfortable standing in our own power, if we're comfortable being ourselves, then we're less likely to be feeling insecure when somebody else does something we want to. So what I talk about is when, when another woman or another person could be another man has something that you want applaud them, but also go back inside and be like, okay, what is it that I want about that? What is it that I desire about that? And how can I get it too? Because it, it's not like this limited resource. I mean, there's enough for everybody of lots of things, even in competitive markets, because you could go off and, you know, trailblaze your own path too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we're big fans of the work that Brene Brown does. And one of the things that she talks about is, you know, when there's something about someone that we're judging, it means that 
we don't judge people on things that we feel comfortable in ourselves. Mm -hmm. So in particular, she talks about parenting. And if you're sitting there in the grocery store aisle and some mother is letting their child you know, spill the Cheerios all over the floor and you're feeling some sort of judgment about that, it's because that's an area in your life and in your parenting that you don't feel comfortable with. So if you are feeling really good about where you are, you're not judging other people. Well, and another thing that I think is when we examine ourselves and if we're constantly saying, well, you know what, I, I could never do what she does. I'm just not as good. I'm not as pretty. I'm not as talented, whatever. You know, those are the things we want people to challenge those thoughts that they're saying. But something that we've talked about a lot is sometimes I think people kind of hang on to these sort of things because it serves them. It does mm -hmm. something for them. It gives mm -hmm. them an out. It lets them surrender to fear, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And so when, when we talk about the tools and techniques at the Wisdom Coalition that you can use in your life to find more joy, we're talking about things like reframing, which I'll explain in a second. It's, so it's not about, we all have difficult circumstances, we all have battles, we all have challenges. And to my mind, you have to look at the plate and say, this is not what I wanted for dinner, but it's there and I'm hungry, so I'm gonna eat it. And I'm gonna make it the best darn dinner that I can. So with reframing, which is something from positive psychology, taking a look at things differently, as I did with the shake that I spilled on my dress, right? If you can flip that switch and get yourself out of that place where you're just gonna make excuses that are gonna hold you down mm. and think about ways that you can change the way that you're thinking that can build you up mm -hmm. right yeah absolutely one of my favorite quotes is how can I see this differently yeah and you know making that decision to flip that switch you know what this is not serving me I don't want to think like this anymore how can I look at this differently and none of this is easy you know Kim and I we've been doing this now for almost two years and there's days where you know many days where we'll call each other up and be like, I need help. You know, we call it the joy muscle, you know, flexing our joy muscle and like any muscle you have to work it out. But there's some days where it's like, yeah, my muscle's flat, it left, I don't know where it is. And you know, she'll have to say, okay, well, maybe you can look at it this way. Maybe it's not this, maybe it's that. And, and maybe you have to say it's part of this, you know, she'll give me a bunch of suggestions and whatever it is. And suddenly I'm like, okay, you're right. I pulled me out of that. And so that's what we're trying to do with the wisdom coalition is you need that support. And you know, it's hard to go it alone because you've only got that one voice. You need that other, hopefully person that can challenge and help you. And if you can be really honest and say, this is what's in there, this is my garbage, you know, help me get it out to the trash, mm, um, yeah. you know, and then help me build a garden in its place is what I like the way I like to think of it as it's, it's just so unique and, and beautiful. Well, um, I mean, we like to call some of the topics we talk about, we call them mushroom topics because they grow when you keep them in the dark and things like fear and regret and jealousy and things that, that we all experience. But when we get them into the light and we recognize the shared humanity, it makes it so much more easy to move forward and be joyful. Oh, yes, for sure. And that's exactly what I, why I brought up the concept of normalcy and normalizing some of these things that we all go through. And that's exactly why friendship is important, too, just like um, you were saying, Nancy, about how sometimes we can be really insecure about ourselves. And when we confess it to a friend, they're like, no, I mean, that's not true. This is not how I see it. But they themselves can see it that way for themselves. But whenever we look at each other and we see the reflection, we don't see that. And so that whenever you have that friend that's your supporter and that applauds you for what you do, they can help you see more of the reality and get you out of that dark place where you're just kind of wallowing in your insecurities and, 
and paralyzed to move on or to, to do things that you want to do. So I think that that's very, very wise. Well, I want to hear from each one of you the question I ask all my guests, which is what personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it? And how do you maintain it? <laughs> okay. Well, and so I kind of alluded to this earlier about my self-care routine, but it is something that kind of evolved over time, but I'm very dedicated to it. And it is something that I do every single morning without fail. And if I miss it, I don't feel good. And I recognize immediately why my why behind doing it because it makes such a difference for me and I do consider it like brushing my teeth I mean it's just it's a non-negotiable I'm going to do it I'm going to get up in the morning I'm going to meditate I'm going to write in my gratitude journal just a couple minutes and I exercise every morning so tell me again what is the things that you do <laughs> so I I start with my gratitude journal I just write down three things that I'm grateful for and why which is really important to add the why not just the fact that you're grateful and then I meditate for about 15 minutes and then I work out every morning for at least 20 minutes. Sometimes it's only 20 minutes, but depending on, because I also have to get my kids ready for school and start my day. But yeah, it's at least 20 minutes every day. That's nice. And that's your time. That's the time you know you have for yourself. And I'm sure that you look forward to having that in the morning. So that's great. I, I need that time. <laughs> I need that time to be me before I interact with anyone else. Awesome. And how about you, Nancy? I let Kim go first because you know <laughs> I hate talking about myself and my feelings. <laughs> so I think, to be honest, the thing that I'm really most proud of is that I've been, I've been, I've been putting my foot in that water that uh, is uncomfortable for me. Mm. I think it's really important sometimes to be uncomfortable and uh, to push through those kinds of things and examine why. And it's been very um, enlightening for me. And, um, and I think it's, it's something a lot of us do, you know, I just think that we, we get, we're really busy and we just get going and we don't, we don't take that time to look in. So I'm, I'm proud that I'm doing that. I'm proud that you're doing yeah. that too. I'm trying, <laughs> trying really hard and, uh, with, with, with her support and, and, and I just, and I think that's what's so great about the whole philosophy of the wisdom coalition is that support is, is there and we're trying to give that support in a number of different ways yeah we're holding ourselves accountable we're holding each other accountable we're trying to live the lessons yeah that's wonderful nancy i love that that you're getting comfortable being uncomfortable because that's the only way we can grow the only way we can grow is to lean into that discomfort and then just keep on practicing those skills so that's beautiful well, what motivates each one of you to do the work that you do? I think what motivates me is um, I really feel like this way of living, of making a choice to find joy is, is, is addictive. It's really addictive, you know, you know, kind way to use that word and not to minimize a, a true addiction. But it's like you, you start doing it and you want more of it. And so what motivates me is I'm just thrilled and excited to bring this message to other people, to create a platform and a place where we can provide people with information that's going to make them feel better and going to make their lives so much better. And, you know, we're doing as many things as we can think of and that we have time for. We do a podcast. We, um, we have events. We do creations. We do a television show. We write a, um, uh, write a newsletter to our subscribers you know, the book, as, as, as much as we can think of, because we're just so excited about being able to bring this message. It's a simple concept, but boy, when you start using it and when you start getting it, it's, it's life changing. Yeah, it really is. Well, now you said everything I was going to say, except <laughs> I will say, you know, really what motivates me is how transformational it is. 
you know, and, and to see, not just feel it for myself, but to see the transformation in other people. It really keeps you going. Yeah. Well, I can just see you ladies, the generosity and the passion that you have. So thank you so much for being this empowering force for women to help us bring more joy into our lives. So before we leave, I would like for you guys to talk about how listeners can connect with you. Nancy, you talked a little bit about your products and your services, but is there anything else that you wanted to uh, talk to listeners about um, that is coming up and they can take part of? Yeah, well, um, I mean, the first thing we'd love for people to do is subscribe to our website, which is uh, thewisdomcoalition.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do do a weekly podcast that you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, The Well of Wisdom, under the name of The Wisdom Coalition. So we'd love for people to subscribe to that as well. Our book, of course, is available on Amazon, which is easy. We're on the East Coast, so we're at this time only doing events in northeastern Pennsylvania area. Eventually, we'll be branching out beyond there, but right now that's what we're, we're doing. So our, our events though are available on the upcoming events segment of our website. Anything else? No, that sounds about it. Of course they can always reach out to us, send us an email. We'd love to hear from people. Yeah. And our television shows actually are available on our website as well. Yes, there's mm -hmm. an icon right on our homepage that mm -hmm. goes to WFMZ, which is the television station. So if you can't watch our shows and you're not in Northeastern Pennsylvania, you can um, click on our website and see our shows. And, and I think our shows are really, uh, we delve into a lot of really neat topics, like I said before, like uh, our relationship with food and numbing behaviors and perfection and all those kinds of things. And we have some great guests. Well, and I was just gonna say, we are talking about, we're building this concept of doing virtual book clubs right. so where we would have webinars where we would have women who have read the book connect with one another and talk about the topics yeah so really That's our website's the best the wisdomcoalition.com.com because we've got a lot going on perfect uh, i'll make sure to put all those links are you guys on any social media of course <laughs> um facebook, facebook twitter yeah linkedin of course connect with okay. us on linkedin awesome so i'll put all that stuff in there Wonderful. Well, you're both doing so much. Thank you so much for everything that you do and the generosity that you have. And it was such a pleasure to connect with you today. Thank you. I have to say, I just want to say one little compliment to you. Your face is glowing. You have beautiful skin and beautiful eyes. And I've just really enjoyed just staring at you for the last however long we've been. Thank you. It must, it must be all the broccoli. I eat a lot of broccoli, you know, that beta carotene. So... <laughs> <laughs> great well thank you ladies i i am so oh, happy that we got to connect and hopefully we'll cross cross paths again and i hope that you both have a plantastic day thank you you too thank you i hope that you enjoyed today's episode thank you so much for tuning in and i look forward to having you back again next week a very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash veggie fit kids, or you can email me at veggie doctor, V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at veggiefitkids.com.
Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli. Yeah.